0: such as, you're a robot, why are you eating this? Wait, is Thomas Haas actually a robot? It's not confirmed, but look at the art on Director Haas' pet project. It pretty clearly indicates that Thomas Haas might
1: be a biroid. But why would she make her biroid son kind of a douche? It seems like the wrong decision, doesn't it?
2: It's a very good question. It sounds like right. quite a deep ethical question about whether... Byroids can become douchey over time, given the correct upbringing.
0: I think the answer is clearly yes. I think this is a question of nature versus nurture. Is the douchiness in the source code or is the douchiness in the nurture? Would Thomas Haas the Byroid have been not a douche if Thomas Haas the Byroid had been raised by a better parent, such as Sunny. if, if Sonny had raised Thomas Haas the bioroid would Thomas Haas be a douche? The answer is definitely no, isn't it? How could you be? I mean, if if Sonny's your mom, how could you possibly be?
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Quite impossible. Is Adam's uh, secret mama confirmed Sonny? Because I would say Adam's not a douche. He's a hardworking robo boy.
0: I'm honestly thinking probably Valencia, because he's got that Anarch energy, you know? He likes to smash things up. He likes to neutralize those threats.
1: Uh, Yep. Okay, fair. You got me there. Real good splash in there too is Scrubber and that just helps you mm-hmm. smash things harder. Exactly.
2: I always thought of Adam as a bit of a grumpy teenager that probably didn't come down for dinner in the first place. A bit too much independent thinking going on upstairs. And
3: I wonder if it's true Do I suck like I put the sock on you
0: Hello and welcome back. To the Slumps cast. My name is Nora Panzer, one of your co hosts, and I am the Core's Light of Netrunner Players. And I'm Josh, AKA Orbital Tangent, Netrunner's thirstiest player. Not okayest this week. Interesting. Who took the crown from you? Oh, I didn't say anything about that. So both the thirstiest and the okayest. Very interesting. Indeed. Do you thirst for okayness? Probably not because you're probably pretty full on it right now, I guess.
1: Well, you could say that. It it is one of those things that'll never fill you up and always lets you down though. For those of you who
0: are joining the Slums Cast in particular for the first time, what the Slums Cast is is probably something you're wondering to yourself because why wouldn't you? It's a very strange name. The Slums Cast is about genuinely trying and spectacularly failing to be good at netrunner. If you came to this podcast hoping it would make you better at Nutrunner, you will be disappointed. If you came to this podcast hoping that although it will not make you better at Nutrunner, it will make you a better person, you will be just as disappointed, if not more. We are joined by a special guest today, however. Josh, would you like to introduce our special guest?
1: Yes, I think I would. He is a cooker of delicious foods and a purveyor of smut, as well as a writer of, well, maybe a writer of Slash Fictions. We haven't gotten that one yet.
2: It's Ed, a.k.a. CookEd, a.k.a. Fried Ed. How are you doing, Ed? I'm great. Thanks ever so much for the intro. It's lovely to be on here uh, for a second time as well. Dan did beat me, being the first, second repeat guest. I do have a history of being beaten by Mr. Bushi. I faced him three times in tournaments over the last six months, and I've lost every single game I played. So that's
1: a, a common theme on slums here is is the consistency and it looks like you're gonna fit right in.
0: This is giving you more chops to join the slums cast than Bushy had is what I'm hearing. As always, we begin our episode with the first order of business, which is it's been a fucking while, hasn't it? The slums cast, as those of you who anxiously await all of our episodes probably know, has been away for a little over a month. Just to give some explanation for why that is, uh, I moved, and it turns out when you move, you tend to not have things in a place you need to record. That sounds reasonable. There were also some shenanigans with people being out of town, and then uh, someone, I will not say whom, but their name rhymes with panzer may have forgotten to record an episode
2: two weeks ago, but we won't get too far into that. This all sounds like you're rather organized in their recording process. I was always under the impression that it was all recorded via phone call rather than a full rig setup, but...
1: To be honest, it started out that way, and then I think as time went on, we gave into the Shaper tendency of installing things to make the cast better.
0: I prefer to think of it as we installed a single console that cost two credits and one the game.
2: The slippery slope. Once you let a little bit of Shaper bullshit in, You You can't be
0: installing things. You
2: know, Kitchen Table
0: Netrunner was out there. They had scored a Nisei Mark II that had a counter on it. I just needed some way to fight that, you know? Let's go ahead and move to the intro question, which, as is always the case, is the second thing that we do this episode, as Tradition states. The intro question, Ed, this is for you. We have to ask... About your username, we brought it up in the intro. We've seen Cook Ed, we've seen Fry Ed, we've seen just Ed. What comes next in the Ed Empire, or Edpire, if you will?
2: And, and wait, 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 wait,
1: wait, 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 wait! Hold on, hold on, pants. Yes, you went straight into the intro question and forgot the most important thing. We have to start with one of our best recurring segments, which is the beer.
0: Ah, the Beer Zone. One of my favorites.
2: Glad we have that one back this week. It's been a while since we've had the Beer Zone on here,
0: isn't Mm
3: -hmm.
1: it? As always, the Beer Zone is focused around a central question. Which would win in a pint? Drinking beer while recording a podcast or not drinking beer while recording a podcast? a pretty strong opinion on this one. I think that there
0: is a clear winner here, and I think that is the thing that I'm currently doing. What do y'all think?
1: I'm just going to top my glass up. Drinking beer while recording a podcast, I think, wins very
2: easily. So what are we drinking right now? What's on tap for the Slumscast? Uh, a local beer to me. It's from 400 miles away in the north of England. It's called Newcastle Brown Ale. Brewed since 1927. It is a classic brown ale. 4.7% volume, famous fun fact. Uh, you should drink it in a half pint glass to keep it cold. Hmm.
0: I am not drinking oh. it in a half pint glass. I feel bad about that.
2: Reminds me of uh, my student times because it felt like that kind of reverse pomposity of everyone mm-hmm. else was drinking fancy beers. So I drank a Newkey Brown. That's actually an important
0: question, I think, for us to get at. There's a well worn stable of, frankly, shit beers that you drink in college in America. What are the equivalents in Britain? You know, what 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 are the natural lights? What are the bush lights? What are the the Milwaukee's best
2: lights? Bud Light, pretty prevalent. Foster's, the Australian beer that's made in Slough, UK. Carlsberg, Wait, Carlsberg sorry, export. It's, it's, if you're rich, sorry, it's made where? So about five miles outside of Heathrow Airport. Fucking hell! British for Australian it, for beer. I think, uh, and obviously you would throw a can of Fosters that year if you suggested they'd that made it. But <laughs> it's not, not the best beer I've ever had. It <laughs> is cheap, though. I apologize to any fans
0: of this beer out in the audience. I used to have a similar feeling about Milwaukee's Best Light. I always assumed that that was just a marketing thing, that it had a different name in every city. Like you're over here on the East Coast and someone says, have a Milwaukee's Best Light and you drink it, and you're like, oh God, this is shit. <laughs> they must make bad beer in Milwaukee. And then over in Milwaukee, it's like, oh yeah, this is, this is New York's Best Light. I assumed that it was just a marketing ploy. I was very sad to hear that it is in fact, Milwaukee's Best Light, even in Milwaukee.
2: Foster's might be a marketing tool by the New Zealand Tourism Board moving on from Lord of the Rings. You know, I will
1: state for the record that even in Milwaukee, they call it Milwaukee's Beast for a reason. It's not that good. So, Newcastle, it sounds like, is not one of the
0: shit beers then. You might put it in the same tier as, say, a Yingling, where it's an okay beer, but it's certainly not the best thing you're ever going to drink. But
2: it's pretty good. I would say you tend to find a 65, 70 year old gentleman that queues outside the pub to get breakfast at 11 o'clock in the morning when it opens. They might sit down with the newspaper, look over the horse racing for the day and drink a pint or half pint times two of Newcastle Brown.
1: I don't see anything wrong with this sentence. I I mean, I would do that. Um, The only thing that I would probably take out is the black pudding. I do think that this beer has a certain podcast ability to it.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'd be good in the
1: Swiss, but probably not in the cut. I'm glad that you brought that up,
0: Josh. We actually have a few metrics that we like to rate beers on. Well-known things like podcastability. Normal stuff, if you open up any beer magazine around the world, you'll see beer rated on attributes like this. So I think I agree. Podcastability is very, very high for this beer. I'm not sure I agree that it's good in the Swiss. I think it's one of the decks that people are going to see coming as the problem.
1: I was thinking it's the jank that gets you through the Swiss, but it never makes it in the elimination Mm. rounds. But you're right. It could be the opposite,
2: where it's the good deck everybody sees coming. Mm-hmm. You think it's potentially like the Panic Polana of beers. You'll grab it. It's a safe choice. You know what you're going to get.
1: There's a certain Palana-ness to
0: it, yeah. I think we should go back to the intro
2: question real quick. What comes next in the Ed Pyre? Yes, we, we, we missed Banana Man as well, which is actually oh, okay. sort of the oldest. The oldest, Jesus yep. name of all of them, the venerable Banana Man before I went into the Ed Cycle. The question is whether the brand can carry any more ads. I think I've reached final form by just being Ed now. And maybe it's time for a a version three. I haven't decided in which direction I'd go. Maybe you've got some suggestions. I do,
0: actually. It's actually kind of a version 1.5. Banana Man is a strong username, but I think that you could kick it up a notch by just having four banana emojis. That's a really good idea. Four emojis is their username, or would I be the first? Well, there's hot dog. But I think that that's actually a big plus rather than a minus. What you give up in creativity, you gain in people now thinking that you
2: are hot dog. People do listen to this podcast, don't they?
1: I don't think think... that that's correct. We very specifically have a shirt that says the opposite. Not in Germany, at least.
2: Where's that shirt available from?
0: From the show notes, you can read all about our merch down there and visit Redbubble and pick up a shirt, maybe even two if you wanted. Please, we need a few
1: purchases to be able to withdraw the fucking money and donate it like we wanted to in the first place. A suggestion if you want to give the Ed series its last hurrah and it could combine Banana Man and Ed, you Mm. could do Banan Ed.
0: Not where I thought that was going to go, but I'm glad it went there.
1: And then slide right into four bananas. Nobody will see it coming.
0: This is why it's important to have a beer while you podcast. Sorry, that was dumb. No, no, that, that's that's good shit. I'm keeping all of that reaction in. You know, I think it may be safe for us to move into another segment with that question answered. I, I think the toast is clear. I I guess that was a bread pun, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. It's time for Baking Up Think Loaves. Ed, this is a series of loaves that we would like to bake for you. If there is one thing we know about you, it's smutty Netrunner fanfic starring Stephen Loop. But if there's one other thing we know about you, it's food. We wanted to discuss both of those together, kind of, not exactly, in the form of asking, what meal would you serve to this netrunner character or characters? The first one up is obviously Stephen Loop. What do you serve into Stephen Loop?
2: So it's going to be something sharing, really, isn't it? It's something that you can enjoy for two people. I'd suggest a beef Wellington, maybe with a mushroom, a truffle mushroom mushroom duck cell. I don't think they'd want too heavy a sauce to go with it. Let's do like a bourbon sauce, seductive, smooth, silky smooth. Maybe some porcini mushrooms. Earthy, rich, decadent. Then a light touch of green beans on the side, maybe wrapped in mm. ham. Set the lights low, make it mm. sensual, have that richness to the
1: food, bring the passions high.
2: We know they're a very sensual couple, the Nisei Law
1: mm-hmm. That doesn't become canon at some point. I'm done with Nisei.
2: Oh, as far as I'm aware, it is now canon. That, that may be not true. It is canonically maybe canon. Do you think... There's a danger that Loop's going to tap Steve on the shoulder, look over there, split the beef wellington in half, take the meat out, put the pastry casing back together. Loop is also an anarch rather than a
0: criminal. So I'm not sure it's in keeping with the mechanics.
1: Steve is also the perfect boyfriend, as we know from the canonical comic done by, who was that done by?
2: Noted Nisei artist Sanjay. I'll do a quick shout out to Sanjay as well there. He sent me the original pencil drawings of that comic, which was really, really kind of him. I'm actually kind of really jelly about that. Okay, next up on the list, Lizzie Mills. What do you serve in Elizabeth Mills? I feel like Elizabeth Mills is someone that needs food to go. She wants it here, she wants it now, she wants it fast. What is the perfect light takeaway? Sushi. Certainly not vegan, Lizzie. I
1: agree there you lost me until you said sushi. And then I was like, oh, light and meat. Uh, mm, Yeah, there we go. I mean, you can imagine, right? You
0: you have a press conference at 3.05. You have to tell people that you didn't burn down a city block. You have time to scarf like two little pieces of sushi. And then you have another press conference at 3.07 to say that you didn't burn down a different city entirely. There's a lot to do when you're a spokesperson for Wayland.
1: The Wayland Consortium would like to remind members of the press that several of its own buildings were damaged in the blast. Including sushi bars.
0: Travesty. Next up, Tao. What is Tao getting served?
2: We've seen JNAC Casual recently absolutely loaded with Apocalypse Tao. I wonder if Tao, although in the the story lore, came across as quite a nice, gentle, humble person. Uh, He's slightly boastful as well. And I don't know if you get this, but certainly in the UK, this is a, there's a certain type of person that goes to an Indian restaurant and says, just bring me the hottest thing on the menu. As the, the foul curry gets brought through the restaurant, people start coughing and choking, eyes, water, scoffs it up. And then he says, bring me another one. And uh, I don't think there's any fierier card than Apocalypse. So maybe a foul curry for Tao. I would argue there is a spicier card than Apocalypse.
0: And it is exploit. You have done the same amount of work and you are doing something objectively not as powerful. This one is a question that's near and dear to my heart. What are you serving max? What is the most stereotypical
2: office food? Donuts or fruit salad? Oh, a bagel. It's a bagel, isn't it? Snacking on a bagel. And everything bagel? Yeah, that's it. Finger gun to head. Take a bite. Maybe smoked salmon, sour cream chive I was thinking a leftover fish curry or a fish dish from the night before to irritate every other one of her co-workers no one complains about someone else's smelly food but they might leave a little pass aggressive note
0: whoever is heating up the fish could you please remember that everyone else has to use the kitchen she writes under it I do remember (laughs) fuck you all you motherfuckers all right, this next one is a little bit spicier. Hoshiko dragon form.
2: Toasted s'mores. A little bit of a build your own too, right? Like don't have to toast the s'mores for her. She can do that. Fact of matter is, is very, very on trend at the moment. Build your own. Kind of a little bit cruel to somebody with claws though. Do you think Hoshiko's claws are heat resistant? Perhaps she could spike a marshmallow on each finger, toast away, eat them off.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I was suggesting that perhaps Sashiko could have a career as a, a leading chef. I'm not not suggesting that, so
1: sure. Do
2: you think she could be a character in Overcooked 3? I don't know if
0: they will make that happen, but I'm just saying that Nisei, take notice. This is a monetization angle. You can promise Overcooked 3 the legion of Netrunner fans that listen to this podcast, and those 10 people will all buy the game. Being
1: generous there, I think.
0: I'd like to interject real quick with a beer check. How is everyone doing on their beer? Uh, I'm, empty. Being, I'm empty. I'm empty. Well. Yeah. We should refill with our next beer. What are we drinking next? Let's find out after this quick break.
1: After think- these messages, we'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: assuming we would put like the intermission music for Monty Python or something, but that's kind of even better. It's beautiful. <laughs> Holy shit. All right, I'm going to go grab another beer. We are back after those messages. So what did we all grab? What are we drinking now?
1: Well, I've got a Dale's Pale Ale. I also have a Dale's
2: Pale Ale.
0: I have as close to a Dale's Pale Ale as I could get at the local beer shop. They told me over the phone that they had Dale's Pale Ale, but they didn't. Actually, hold on. I've got a Sharpie. Okay, it says Dale's now. That is definitely Dale's.
1: Yeah. Wait, I you, think that you, says... You so it
0: says wait, Dale's. Wait, wait, wait. It used to say Cloud Candy by Flying Squirrel Brewery, but it no longer says that. It's crossed out. It's so a Dale's now.
2: Gotcha. That's, All right. That's how beer works. Mm-hmm. Dale's Pale Ale slash
0: definitely Dale's Pale Ale. How do we feel about this one?
1: So going back to some of the common beer categories, people definitely rate beers by on beer websites on the internet. I think this is the rogue deck of beers right here. Nobody sees it coming. It gets in the cut and there's maybe no tech once it's in the cut.
2: Yeah, I think this beer performs well with open deck lists. I think other beers do suffer from, it's a very common complaint from brewers that once the deck lists are released, beer does lose a certain quality. I think it's because of what Josh brought up. Basically, it doesn't matter if you know what's in the deck. Unless you brought the tech against it, you're going down. It doesn't matter. And it is delicious as well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I think it's going to get a lot of hearts on NRDB. a later of beer. Very low Piloninus. I'm honestly thinking pretty low on the Argus scale, but on the Spombo scale, how are we thinking? Seven and a half. Easy to drink, hard to master. The problem is uh, your opponent knows exactly what you're drinking and there's nothing they can do about it. The label's very clear. It says Dales, it says Pale, and it says Ale. The label is red, white, and blue. The colors of the world champion lines the uh, of the uh, American flag, his uh, national flag. Isn't red, white, and blue also technically the colors of the Union Jack? Unusual coincidence. A lot of people when uh, describing beers talk about tempo. certainly feels like a very tempo-positive beer. There's a lot of sips that when
0: you
1: take them, you just feel the tempo improving. All right. Seriously, though, like for real, this is a good fucking beer. It's not gonna like blow your socks off. It's not that type of beer. But as far as like a cheap, easy drinking, you could do this all day sort of beer, it's really good.
2: Dangerously, it's six and a half percent,
1: though.
2: Um, so we've we've <laughs> oh doubled, shit, is it? We've doubled on the ABV from the from the Nuki Brown. Whoops, uh, and you don't notice it <laughs> at all.
1: No, wow, it does not take taste significantly more boozy than the Nuki.
2: Do think that gives uh, Dao's maybe a higher Polana score than we were mm. initially suggesting, the one-off snare? There's some sort of Jintekiness going on, though. Got a little bit of that MT
0: energy. There are definitely some surprises waiting in it. And that surprise is that you just face-planted into an Anansi
1: on turn two. And that's like you face-planting because you didn't realize how much alcohol was in it.
2: And of course, MT is uh, life improved. And mm. I definitely think my life is improved by drinking this. None Indeed. of these beers are sponsoring us, but they should be. <laughs> we have covered
0: almost all of the people we wanted to cover, but not all of them. Next up, Director and
2: Thomas Haas. A little family get-together we're talking. The ultimate family to get-together is obviously a Sunday roast dinner. And I think there's going to be plenty of beef on that table. It's going to be top of beef. It's going to be dutiful beef. It does work. Very efficient. <laughs> Value for money. Uh, Yorkshire puddings. And I think it's got to be super traditional. You know, it's keeping it in the family. So roast potatoes, obviously with the German influence as well. Pickled red cabbage, sauerkraut Mm. style, just to freshen up the plate.
1: I was wondering if you were going to bring it back into the German roots. I I will note here at this meal, there will probably not only be beef on the table, but beef coming out of people's mouths. I would assume the director has uh, many things to say to Tommy. The next one on the list, a little bit different from the last ones, Chris Dyer,
0: but specifically
2: Chris Dyer in The Art of Border Control. So obviously in the Cat Shen altar, they've drawn Chris Dyer standing in a doorway. In these times, I think we've all had a lot of takeout where we've had to stand in the doorway. Chris is definitely grabbing a takeaway here, or takeout, as you might say, in other parts of the world. Chris is a big fan of fish and chips, but he's an even bigger fan of of the burger place across the road from him. So I, I, I see him in the southwest of England outside his favorite burger place, and he's about to get a very standard burger with beef, with tomato, lettuce, laid-up gherkin, red onion, brioche bun, and a pot of gravy on the side to dip the burger into, not the fries. Seems to be a
0: little unhappy with the service. That's terrible, fans. Yes. What?
2: We, we haven't named this place. We, we aren't leaving a Yelp review does Chris Dyer strike you as someone that would leave a one-star trip advisor or Yelp review? If it were the optimal play, yes.
1: But commonly it's not, because it doesn't really get you anything.
0: If it's ever the right play, I think that that is something that's going to happen.
1: What's more is I think he'd see the line before everybody else. British, he'd see the queue. One
0: last
2: one here. The woman in the art of decoy who has the curlers. So obviously the woman in the... Uh the art for decoy, not expecting the door to be knocked. Why is that? She's busy in the kitchen. She has been baking a Victoria sponge, the traditional plain Victoria sponge, whipped cream, jam, dusted with sugar. I appreciate a lot of the words that are being said here. Jam is good.
0: Dusted with sugar is good. What is a Victoria sponge as someone from the
2: side of the Atlantic? So I think think you call it pound cake because it's like Ooh. a pound of everything. Yeah. And so uh, Victoria Sponge recipe is a uh, 33333 three, 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 three recipe. So three eggs, three ounces of sugar, three ounces of butter, three ounces of flour, three milk, 160 degrees Celsius for 35 minutes. Went out, layer, preferably strawberry jam, slightly sweetened whipped cream. Served to the vicar when he knocks over for 11s. The Next time the vicar comes over, I'll remember to do that.
1: All right. So sure, that was Baking Up Think Loaves. And we appreciate your thoughts on the meals that you would serve various characters in the Netrunner universe. I didn't really see anything too spicy in the things that you peppered in there. But you know, I guess not everything can be scorching mm, and have mm, mm, mm. <coughs> sorry, I had to I was I was drinking scorching. What, 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 are, what are we getting at here? Scorching? Is that a spice pun, Josh? How dare you? I never pun. Clearly, that was the
0: only thing in that sentence you said related to spiciness, so that must have been a spice pun, which is great because that's a great interlude to our next segment.
3: Ooh, that's spicy!
0: Now, an important thing to do as we start off who dat spicy is a beer check. It wouldn't be appropriate for us to have a segment who that's spicy, which is all about being spicy without us having a spicy beverage. Gents, what are we drinking?
1: I've got the Mayan mocha stout. Mm. And this beer describes itself as inspired by Mexican hot chocolate. It is carefully Mm. blended with Dutch chocolate, coffee, cinnamon, nutmeg, and habaneros which will leave you with the perfect balance of chocolate and heat.
0: Habanero, definitely, that's relevant to my interests. That fits who that's spicy. Ed, what do you have?
2: I've got something that's going to test my ability to pronounce Spanish words, but let's go for it. It's En Mas Chilli Jesus by Evil Twin. It's a imperial stout with chili peppers added. It's 12%, <laughs> uh, which is a big lad, to say the least. It is. Uh, It very much is. (laughs) 12% is significant. I'm going to feel that. It's like wine. And it says, we tripped on some heavenly drops of beer with amazingly overwhelming aromas of chili peppers and more. A thick fudge-like body, pitch black colour, and obviously only made in limited amounts. And the taste, furthermore, Jesus. (laughs) Which actually doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Uh, I'll be completely honest.
0: I thought that that last word was you reacting to how ridiculously purple the prose wasn't just being like, Jesus, Jesus. (laughs) I have the spiciest beer that I own tequila. It says echo en Mexico.
1: Okay. Well, that works too, I guess.
0: Uh, I had a similar issue with the local store told me that they had several chili beers in stock. And when I actually went and looked on the shelves, they did not. But they did have tequila, so, you know.
2: Jengis <laughs> provides sometimes. Let's let's get her done, I guess. Cheers. Orbital, orbital tangent, Josh. Do we have to make a judge call here? Is this a game loss for offense?
0: I suppose I did read the card. Reading a card is a game loss offense, but so did y'all.
1: Hmm. Oh, oh, fair. Hmm. Well, you know, I think it, it would be a judge loss, but I think I would feel really bad about it. It's one of those judge calls where you're like... Oh man, but you should have known about the find the truth reveal and not shuffled it in with the rest of your hand. Um, I've been
0: very forthcoming too. It's like I did the find the truth draw and then just revealed my whole hand,
1: yeah. But apparently, that's not enough. They game you lost, yeah, anyway. You know, I'm not salty about that at all. That's not how I lost a game of Mopus, you know, certainly not. No, yeah, not at all
2: how did you not
1: lose a game yep. very
0: few ways honestly very few ways have i not lost a game that's not true at all
1: simple so, uh yeah it's a very simple story sir it's basically forgot my find the true troll added it to my hand the guy had seen everything before and so i go here you go here it is here's the card that i drew called a judge over and then he started going off on this thing about how I'd shuffled my hand. I absolutely had not. And I was like, can I just reveal the whole hand? Doesn't that kind of do the same thing? And I was told no, because there could have been hidden cards from before, which was not true. So okay, loss. Gotta love it. Yep.
2: Sounds painful.
1: It was very five to zero points in that game.
3: Hmm.
2: You yeah. hate to see that happen. Do you think that's a more of a let me find the word, a contravention of the rules than drinking tequila during a podcast, potentially a beer podcast?
3: Hmm.
1: Well, I don't know. Uh, So, look, beer is the working class drink, right? Right. So here's my thing. Tequila, I think, is the working class hard alcohol. So I think tequila is the beer of hard alcohol. So I think it falls within the spirit somewhat.
2: Nice the sprint. spirit of the rules of podcasting
1: at least this podcast
2: on the topic of who
0: that's spicy this week what is the hottest netrunner ship and no i am not talking about the boat that ffg used to put the cards on even if that were in the running it would definitely lose because it takes about 17 months to arrive
1: god damn it that was my answer fuck <laughs> gotcha <laughs> it wasn't but you know
0: whatever I guess for the same reason we can't count the boat in the art of timely public release. Maybe we should explain what a ship is to the audience in case they're not familiar. Or should we
1: not? It might be funnier if not. Let's not.
0: Honestly, I think my personal choice for the hottest Netrunner ship is Max and Cards in the Fucking Trash. But if I have to choose characters, I think that there is a great tension between nasir and rachel beckman honestly in that lore that relationship's written quite well i think got a little bit of like a uh it's clear who the dominant one is in that relationship and it's clear that they both
1: like it mm. yep it's definitely rachel beckman
0: oh absolutely
1: absolutely however she doesn't stick around once they're found out you know with a tag nasir just barrels forward right yeah I mean, I
0: think that, honestly, some ships aren't always meant to last. Mm -hmm. It can sometimes Mm -hmm. flame all the brighter for how ephemeral it is. Yeah. (laughs) Jesus, I'm
3: drunk.
1: Yeah. She also, you know, like, I'm not trying to say she's a high-maintenance girl, you know, hashtag feminism, all that. I'm trying to say she's a high-maintenance person. She costs you a fat eight credits. So, uh, wow. You know, even to get on board that ship train if Nasir wants it, there's a lot of credits got to drop. And Nasir, I don't know if you know, but both in lore and in the game itself, he uh he's not good with money. He's he's real not good with money. Isn't that part of the allure, though? The way that he
0: woos her is by getting a Janus 1.0 res in his fucking face and clicking through three of the subs?
1: Yeah, she could be real into that, that bravado that he has, that like hey, I'm going to do this thing would normally be real expensive, and I'm broke, but I'm going to figure it out along the way.
0: The spontaneity, yeah, spontaneity, definitely. There's a draw
1: there, yeah. Yeah, and you know, he might be into the whole thing too about the tagging, like, I understand that if things get real hot, uh, not, that's the wrong word. If too many feels are caught. Yeah, we're going to have to call this whole thing off, but maybe he's into that, maybe he's like, you know, you know. I want to take this chance. I want to put my hard-earned cash into this. I want to. I want to show you the world. Well, show you the moon in his case. But
0: all of this will be coming to a feature-length book, resources with benefits
1: in the fall. <laughs> uh, okay, considering that Pride is approaching, and speaking of tags, I gotta say that my favorite ship has got to be Liza Talking Thunder,
3: mm-hmm.
1: and. Jasmine or Serene. Specifically in game through their mutual contact of DJ Fenris. So this whole thing in my mind, Liza secretly moonlights at some clubs, right? She doesn't like to let people know that she's there, even though it's like an open secret, everybody fucking knows because those tags and everything, right? How could they know? She's got like 14 tags sitting on her, yeah. Exactly, right? But nobody can catch her doing anything bad. So it's just like she goes out to the club for a couple of drinks, right? Right, right. And she has fun and whatnot, and that's not illegal. It's not. So that's respectable, right? Right, And then DJ coming in with Jesminder is now they're trying to do something naughty because they're shaking those tags, right? DJ introduces her to Jesminder, and then they're like, all right, we're going to drop a bunch of MDMA and, you know, have a threesome and... And trip balls and that's gonna be really fun she's like it's that, that
2: mdma austerity policy <laughs> <laughs> might fuck around and click through a tear you know
1: i like the lore in that because it, now she like finally kind of doesn't want the press to know where she's at because she's she's with her homie dj and her potential new lover jasmine there's an inherent tension there
0: too, right? Because the only reason they have this connection is DJ Fenris. Something really goes awry and too many tags happen. Mm-hmm. It's a very tenuous connection.
1: Yeah. And Liza, by all the actions she takes, she's getting more things that can help them out, but she's also fucking over the two of her friends, you know? Do you think there's a
2: potential moral issue for Jasmine to She's already learned the price of freedom and the very next day she's gone out clubbing. Ooh, Too soon, man. Akshara is still warm. The corpse still has that click. Hey,
1: you got to live your life, though. You got to live your life. That's what Akshara would have wanted. You're right.
2: That's all I got. I've got a ship that uh, you might not want to search for on the internet. Let's put oh, it that no. way. There I, could be some very, very dodgy artwork out there for this. I advise all Slum's listeners not to search this. I'm going to preemptively cut the
3: feed.
1: Okay, we're back. That is a rare pants cut the feed. It seemed judicious. Go ahead,
2: though. (laughs) Okay. The cat, Princess Space Kitten, and the cat on Quantum Predictive Model. If a space kitten shouts out of a window, does a quantum cat hear it? The love call from PSK. You know, I think the answer is yes, even
0: if KP Lin is in the server.
1: If we go full Schrodinger's on this, isn't the answer both yes and no?
2: I think that's correct. At the same time, mm-hmm. yeah, Quantum Predictive Model Cat hears the love call and doesn't hear it. I think what so we're the- getting from this is there's an inherent tension
0: in all of these great ships of Netrunner. You know, the yes and the no, the tag and the trashing. I can actually see one way that that particular ship could sink. Princess Space Kitten, well known for saying you can have a lot of fun in 23 seconds.
2: I don't know if 23 seconds is going to be long enough. But for the quantum cat, might it be, though? In quantum time, the cat could do a lot more work than your average cat. The quantum cat is putting on the Marvin Gaye in the background, lighting a couple of candles. Maybe putting on the Febreze smell. I think you're right. I think I've got it in reverse. I think maybe
0: Princess Space Kitten only started saying this after dating the quantum cat and
2: realizing how much could happen in 23 seconds. It's like the opposite of a pig's orgasm lasts 30 minutes, isn't it? It does? That's horrifying. Uh, yeah, I, I but can't
3: believe that's fuck? true. What the fuck?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh? I... <laughs> I- I I I cut the feed.
0: We need to cut the feed again, just to cleanse.
1: <laughs> Holy Should fuck. we do it a
0: third time? <laughs> uh, I, I, maybe. Might as well cut the feed. Whoo! All right, uh, Josh, you have
1: any last thoughts about ships? Moving on very quickly on the topic of of ships and specifically ships sinking i think it's time for deck and bamboozled can i get a hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah hell yeah so ed you have brought to us today some abomination of netrunner some deck that you brought to an event hoping to do quite well and then perhaps you did not or maybe you did I might actually introduce
0: it with the title of the deck list, which is A Wild Harpsichord Appeared! Ed, do you want to tell us a little bit about when
2: you played this deck and why it was a harpsichord? Yeah, absolutely. So as you all know very well, I'm relatively new to the game compared to your esteemed selves. started playing properly in March of 2020 been dabbling with cards for a year or so before and this was my first ever store championship mm. i obviously missed the meta around 2015 2016 when Harpscorp was a good deck so i came across this identity that seemingly did very little in 2020 and i thought right, i've got to make something work with this new to the game with very few friends to talk to, ask for advice or anything like that. Didn't really understand how the search functions worked on NRDB. I was like, well, what do you do with harpsichord then? And so obviously some uh, deck building decisions were made based on the the text. The runner cannot steal more than one agenda each turn. More on that later, whether the decisions and deck building were actually anything to do with what the ID does. And that was the uh, the start of my love for harpsichord. Let's put it that mm. way. Harpsichord, very close to my heart. Yeah, harpsichord, if you will.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the contents of the deck. I'd actually, I'd like to start not with the agendas, which is where we usually start with a harpsichord deck. I'd like to start yes. just by going through the rest of the deck. Let's start with the assets. We've got one daily business show, three news team, staple, obviously one of the best harpsichord cards. NGO Front, one of them, two Project Junebug, we'll come back to that in a minute, three Rashida. On the ice side, we have three Gold Farmer, fantastic card at the time, banned now, that's how good it was. One Ice Wall, one IP Block, one Enigma, three Slot Machine, two Data Raven, one Newshound, two Surveyor. And then the operation side, we have one Archived Memories one consulting visit, one economic warfare, one exchange of information, two hard-hitting, three hedge fund, two IPO, one preemptive, two punitive counter and three scarcity. Those of you who have been following extraordinarily closely and are very good at mental math, which neither of those is true of me right now, might notice that that is 41 cards. There are only eight slots left for agendas, which I would say is a very interesting decision to make when you're building a harpsichord deck.
2: I mean, it's a flex, isn't it? It's a flex. (laughs) (laughs) But I didn't realize that at the time, did I? (laughs) So questionable, and I think the most questionable thing about this whole deck isn't the list itself, although we will go into slots. The most questionable thing is the write-up that I did. Mm. I would ask everyone before they go and search for this deck or look in the show notes underneath to think back to their first deck write-up, how they felt having read other people's decklist write-ups and how they wanted to impress people with their intelligence, their reads of the meta, their unusual left-field decisions, farming hearts and stars.
3: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: Would you say harpsichord and news team go hand in hand? Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Would you Shit. say it's therefore quite awkward to write in a deck list, write up some cards people didn't expect? Number one, News Team. Yeah, it's, it doesn't. It's a little it, awkward. It doesn't
0: strike me as the best tone to take in the write up. Yeah, I agree. Is there a way you
2: could make it worse? Let's go on. Explaining news why News Team is good? Yes, explaining why News Team is good. News Team is a tempo card. Hmm. Would we describe Nice Team as a tempo card? No. (laughs) It actually kind of is specifically in Harpsichord,
0: specifically in like Butcher Shop style decks, but it isn't purely a tempo card. But at its worst, it's a tempo card because they have to stop and clear the tags or they lose an entire turn. But that is at its worst. Usually it's more of a kill setup card.
1: I would say that it's not really a tempo card. What it is, is... It's either a win con, if you have uh, some sort of uh, tag punishment card. You have exchange here. Yeah, there's an exchange. You are very lacking of a meat damage card, you know, like um, boom. Or even a psychographics, right? Like you
0: have all of these agendas with five. Why not use the four tags that you're giving them?
2: We, We haven't gone through the agendas yet.
0: Oh, right. Sorry. I should actually say what the agendas are. You're right. The agendas in this deck, there is one 15 minutes, three Bologna, two
2: Project Mm Beal, and two SSL endorsement. Arguably the strongest agendas that an NBN list could play in the time. If you weren't harpsichord. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a fantastic agenda
0: suite for like Acme. Yeah.
1: Or (laughs) Asmari. True.
0: I
2: think Asmari was legal in that point. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty certain it is an Asmari Agenda Suite, except it's got 15 minutes.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, you could make it an Asmari Agenda Suite still by just dropping a Project Beal, and that's still pretty good, actually. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, Mm -hmm. agreed. Drop the Beal, drop the News Teams, and drop one other card, and suddenly you've got probably a pretty good Asmari deck because now you've got Asmari with 14 Ice, which is an appropriate amount for Asmari that's also trying to do tagging stuff.
2: Does it look... Uh, hear me out here. Does it look as though someone might possibly have taken the Asmari list, moved it into harpsichord, and added news team and an agenda? It does indeed look that way a little bit. I think some other swaps were made though, because
0: the win cons feel a bit strange to me. We've got a mix of tags and punitive counter-strike, where usually it makes a little more sense to go harder in one direction or the other and just be better at that thing. So I'm thinking that maybe there were three punitive Counter-Strikes and one of those got shifted over into out uh, the June Bugs or maybe, um, yeah, probably the June Bugs or maybe an Ice Wall and some other floating in somewhere. And I'm thinking also there probably weren't hard hittings if this was just an Asmari that was working with punitive Counter-Strike.
2: Yes, the shift from... Three punitive to two punitive and two project bug, Best guard in the game. Um, <laughs> RIP. Vertica Cypher now. Yeah.
0: That's Which cool. is arguably better. It is better. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's unarguably better. In this deck, it's definitely unarguably better. You don't even have the... Oh, you do have the slot machine. So in theory, you can get the magical Christmas June bug, But realistically, no. <laughs> the thing about June bug is... I have unironically played Junebug in non-net damage decks before, and it is very, very, very occasionally correct. However, I've only ever done that in Argus, which is already chipping away at your hand size all the time and trying to attrition you in some weird games or just trying to fork you in some weird games where it's like, oh, you can end the turn either by hitting a Junebug or by having one tag and I have two high profile targets in my hand. This is not a deck that really does that. You don't have any other way to pressure their hand size. You are just purely hoping that they run a Junebug with three cards at hand. That's the only way that it does anything.
2: Yeah, this certainly feels like I could have renamed the deck a wing and a prayer. Um, <laughs> well, and the thing about Junebugs in decks is it gives me an opportunity to
0: call back to one of the great characters of Netrunner history, which is I always put a Junebug in every single deck that I make and also tell my opponent about it, Guy. Because truly, he is just a legend of Netrunner deck building because he always puts a Project Junebug in his decks and always tells his opponent about it. And it has a very similar energy to that where it's like, well, I want this other angle that technically is a win condition, but really it isn't actually a win condition. The deck doesn't actually build towards it. You will occasionally get someone with it, but it isn't
2: the right play. Are we looking for the right play or are we looking for the winning play? Oftentimes the two are the same. <laughs> okay, what's the wrong feel... play, but
1: also wins you the game? <laughs> there, I have an example. Timmy Wong, Worlds, the one that Dan won. Uh, 2014. Yeah. No, it was the 2015. One after. Or was it
0: 15? Yeah. There, there, there are 15. two options it could be if it was the one that Dan won. Mm-hmm.
1: That was like one of the last games that got Timmy to the finals. Mm. He's versus Hoyland right? Mm -hmm. Remember, Mm -hmm. Hoyland builds that remote Mm -hmm. out of nowhere.
0: Oh my god, the 17-turned slow roll GFI.
1: Yeah, yeah, so he builds the remote out of nowhere and double advances the GFI, and it's like the final agenda, and Timmy doesn't think he can get in there, so he goes against R&D and then trashes all his programs to Ichi. Yeah. He still won the game, but he could have broke all that shit too, so like, Mm -hmm. trashing all your shit's probably the wrong move. (laughs) Okay. You know, fair. This can happen in runner. The wrong move can win the game.
0: You know, another play that would have been the wrong move that would have won that game if that slow roll GFI was a Project June bug and Timmy ran it.
1: Ooh. <laughs> all right. Fair. 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 <laughs> mm.
0: uh, yeah. In all seriousness, another thing that really sticks out to me with this deck is. We've got two Surveyor, which is a little bit of an awkward number, but you can kind of forgive that with the need for Econ Warfare and the need for Archive Memories and the need for Punitive Counter-Strike. Though, uh, arguably, those numbers should be higher. The thing is, there's still two Surveyor in a deck with 14 Ice, which is a little bit awkward in 49. And there's also one Newshound, which until you have three Ice on the remote is just a cheaper, better Surveyor. Since you're on scarcity. So, yeah. Until you're up at three ice, Surveyor does not have more strength than Newshound. And Newshound is going to be active pretty often because there's scarcity and your opponent's counter current to scarcity.
2: And then oh. I'm saving four influence.
0: Mm hmm. That too. That's that's a counter strike and another archived.
2: And another archived or Ronin. Oh, God, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know the point of decking bamboozled is not to make the deck worse, right?
2: And <laughs> that's I arguable. That's arguable. I think you're Are we suggesting guess. this deck's bad? Are we suggesting this deck's bad? I am. I might be suggesting that a little bit,
0: yes. Uh, How did this deck do? I'm assuming this went like two and three.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna break some very horrible news here. Uh, breaking news. I've let one I've I've let one slide three. This went four and one. What the fuck? Okay, so this
0: deck just bamboozled us, apparently, is what we've got here. Um,
2: very interesting. Did you kill anyone with June Bug? I think I got one June Bug kill. Oh my I God. got three punitive kills. <laughs> Zero <laughs> you, score
0: outs. You got two punitive kills, or sorry, three punitive kills with two punitive counter strikes and one archived memories. That is correct, yes. Jengis
2: was truly on your side that day. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very. Pirate Adam did a lot of work for me in this tournament. Pirate Adam dragged me down to the lower tables, mm. making the punitive kills far easier than <laughs> on the top tables.
1: <laughs> so, so deck <intra-deck> synergy.
2: <laughs> it's exactly that. <laughs> Swiss killer. That's fantastic,
0: yeah. (laughs) I I don't want to harp too much on the write-up because this is a first deck write-up, and I get that. Mine was super tryhard. One thing that I want to talk about, though, is the way that you describe the ID itself. It protects you against big multi-axis runs. You know what else protects you against big multi-axis runs? Rezzing an extra ice, which you do with Asmari.
1: Or having eight agendas also does that. Well, we do have eight agendas here. Because there's only eight, is what I'm saying. Oh, oh,
0: okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: Good point. Yeah. The reason that you need the ability in most harp decks is that you're running like 14 agendas. Mm -hmm. Because you're racing the runner. Yeah. That also doesn't work, by the way. You can uh, listen to our second episode, uh, where I also have a harp deck that races the runner, and it fucking sucks. Um, It does.
0: It does. Uh, spoilers for that episode, the deck that we talk about in Deck and Bamboozled sucked.
1: Yep, absolutely.
2: <laughs> Today I was building a harpsichord deck. Oh no. Did it have eight agendas? It
1: has 16
0: agendas. I was really worried when you started with six. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did you somehow resurrect fucking Vanity Project?
1: No, it has six agendas.
2: Ah! We've just created a Highlander channel on uh, on the Green Level Clearance Discord and we're all building singleton decks and it's a ton of fun and I've built 54 card harpsichord with 16 agendas and it's Very nice. great. Very nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, honestly though, given that this is a
0: first deck write-up, the first deck write-up I had is about as long of a deck write-up and about as pretentious and literally the deck was I took the deck of the week changed one card and I got second at a store champ and I had like I had like eight paragraphs in this fucker
2: about how pants, Merlin got, was bad actually pants I've got two questions there yes one how, how big was the field in the store champs
0: uh this was back in 2017 so the the field was like
2: 24 26 if i remember correctly That's very reasonable. Yeah, And two, are you suggesting that this decklist write-up is pretentious? A
0: bit, yes. I am suggesting it is a bit pretentious.
2: I would go above that. I would say it's uh, it's 12.5% alcohol, ABV, (laughs) pretentious. (laughs) Uh, We never discussed our beers. That's actually
0: a good segue. We need to discuss the beers. How do we feel about their spiciness level? How do we feel about the level of unexpected tech in our beers?
3: I
1: would say that the stout that I am currently consuming is quite spicy. Mm. It's like one of those decks that has, like, it's a deck that you know, right? So this is like a coffee chocolate stout. So it's a deck that you know, but then they put something in it, unexpected, that costs like six influence. Mm. And you're like, Nobody normally puts that in a deck, but you're so, wrecking face with it. So it's Timmy Wong. You're definitely
0: putting the beer at a level above what I was going to say, which is it's the max list that I always cram
1: three embezzles into.
0: But Timmy Wong actually does good things in NetRire, so that's probably yeah. more impressive.
1: Yeah, It's actually quite a good beer. It's just, it kind of burns my mouth a little bit.
0: <laughs> I would say the beer that I'm currently drinking, tequila, is very much a... Once you know the archetype, there's absolutely nothing unexpected about it, but you did not expect this deck whatsoever type of beer. Like this is someone who came to a standard event with a startup deck and somehow made the cut. Once you realize that it's a startup deck, you're like, oh, of course it doesn't have hard hitting news. But until you have that context,
2: you just think, what is this weird orbital superiority deck? I would describe my bear. As Pirate Haley 2018, it hits you in the face at first, mm-hmm. and then you think, you know what, I understand everything that's going on here it all makes sense, and then there's a degree of recursion that's coming <laughs> back up at me and it's catching me in the throat. I love that you
1: call that recursion.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic.
1: <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm a hundred percent interested like how is that beer?
2: it's very delightful the the first bit took a long time to drink and then the Uh second bit once i got used to it took very little Um, time was it like actually spicy yeah it's spicy it's like a bloody mary level of spicy Um, like a good bloody mary Mm -hmm. okay that's what
1: this is basically is like if you get a bloody mary that they use like some chili sauce in or something Mm -hmm. but in like a good
0: way jalapeno salt or habanero salt around the rim
1: oh yeah there you go
0: yep yep and on that topic we have an important announcement which is fuck shaper fuck shaper fuck shaper shaper. on that note we actually do have another segment coming up which is fuck fuck shaper
1: fuck shaper
2: fuck shaper
3: Shaper.
0: Yeah! as always in the fuck shaper segment we begin by saying cheers cheers to fuck
2: shaper gents what are we drinking cheers i've got from the land of the brave and true from america sierra nevada no less i have wonderland or wonderland nectarine ale Set out and see where the adventure leads. Roam until the paradise appears like this juicy golden sunset of a brew. Take it all in with an aroma of just picked fruit, bold hop flavor, and a bright burst of nectarine. Enjoy the ride. Fuck Shaper. It's an unusual label.
0: I'm glad that they included it, though. It's an important message. Mine is a Sierra Nevada as well. It is the Tropical Torpedo, Tropical IPA. It is a 6.0%, and it doesn't have any long labels to read, but it does mention in the ingredients fuck shaper.
1: I am drinking the Blake's Hard Cider Co. El Chavo Mango Habanero 6.5%. The can, I will note, is green as a base, but is overlaid by an anarch orange. The can says, Bold, sweet, a little bit of heat, and fuck Shaper. I'm glad that we coordinated
0: three different beers from three, well, two different companies that all said fuck Shaper for this segment. Indeed. We'll check in a little bit later to talk about the aspects of this beer, but I'd actually like to begin with the business of the fuck Shaper segment, which as we know, every single time that we bring up the fuck Shaper segment, we are here to discuss which countries we currently do and do not have beef with. This actually is an important time for an important announcement. The beef with Germany is over. The Slums Cast no longer has beef with Germany.
1: Yeah, fuck the walk, Germany. This is all
0: coming from the Spotify data that tells us where people in the world are listening to. And uh, Germany is actually like, we used to joke about how Germany has about half of the competitive Netrunner players left in the world. And they were like 1% of our audience. They're up to a solid five now. Five
2: people or 5%? Percent. It probably is the same thing. It's probably five people, and that's five percent. That's a hundred people that don't want to get better at netrunner, but do want to become a better person.
0: I'm always interested to see the listenership in Germany rise. Like, is this just them flexing? Is this them saying we can listen to this podcast that actively makes us worse at
1: netrunner and still win all of the events? I think that's definitely it. It's it's gotta be it because the advice on this podcast is always terrible. It's sort of like that one punch man thing where they actively have to make themselves worse to just feel a little bit of challenge to just feel like they're actually doing something otherwise it's just it's it's over too soon you know what i mean one run pencil yeah this is the end of an era the slums cast
0: beef with germany has lasted for honestly longer than i thought this podcast would ever
2: run is there a way that the slums cast could send off the beef
1: play the german national anthem here
2: Hey, NeuroPanzer here after the
0: episode with a quick correction. This is not a joke, this is not an aside, this is not intended to be funny in any way, this is a genuine apology. We would like to offer a genuine apology for the version of the German national anthem that we originally used in this place in this episode. At the time, we were unaware of the connotations that it carried, and we did not conduct the proper research to understand what those connotations were. We would like to firmly disavow any people or regimes that support the ideals of the regime connected to the version of the German national anthem that we originally had here. And in fact, we would like to very strongly support punching people who support those ideals or hold those beliefs. Thank you. Unfortunately, when the universe closes a beef, it opens another beef. And with all respect, we have to say the country that we initially compared Germany to, Australia, is falling down on the job a little bit. Now, I don't completely blame them. Australia is a smaller country than Germany, the smaller netrunner population at the moment, but they have fallen from about twice what Germany had to only 1% more in the global market for the slums cast, which, honestly, I mean, we are probably only going to drive that farther into the dirt with our talk about fosters today.
1: I mean,
2: this is the fuck Australia segment, so... Are we saying that Australia is all shaper? Gents, let's look at the facts. 2012, not Shaper. 2013, not Shaper. 2014, not Shaper. 2015, not Shaper. 2016, not Shaper. 2017, an Australian world champion, Jess Horig, themselves, Shaper. The evidence is pretty
0: damning. Hey, Ed, though, you're not out of the woods yet. Before we move to the potential sins of other potential countries, I would just like to state we officially do not have beef with Australia because I am afraid of Australia. We're kindly requesting that you maybe do a little
3: bit
1: better. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're still not over that thing where they say that they didn't come to fuck spiders. Who does? Honestly, the fact that they imply that someone could is very, very disturbing. I think Australia is just the land of like shit that likes to kill you. I I meant to say could, but you know, likes is even scarier, actually. (laughs) Yeah,
0: it it (laughs) is. If nothing else, it is the land of prison lock Haley. And that definitely likes to kill you. Is looking Absolutely. at Velasco District a place in Sydney? It is now. I'm sure that they made that name change after the historical 2017 win.
1: Hail your beer, oh. by the way. Don't inhale your beer. <laughs> That's a
0: good pro tip. Yeah, don't <gasps> inhale beer. That's uh, usually a good one. Usually a good one.
1: Especially this... beer that has habaneros in it. Oh, oh. Yeah. Don't, oh. don't it's not even beer. It's cider.
2: Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, it's not even beer. It's cider. My lungs stay bur- <laughs> So
0: nectarine beer is amazing, by the way. We're going to do a beer check in just a second. I'm glad that we have a a peek into what we're going to hear in it. But this one actually pertains very closely to the people starring in this podcast today, guesting on it. The next country, we know that you have approximately, and I know that I just said this about Germany, but I actually mean this about England. You have approximately half of the active Netrunner players in the world. And you are currently 9% of the listeners of the slums
2: cast what the fuck united kingdom ed do you care to comment i feel people in great britain are constantly trying to improve themselves Mm -hmm. it's the british mentality is the war mentality It's churchill isn't it we will fight them on the beaches it's that defiance that the british have the plucky british spirit would you say that slums cast has a plucky spirit? Bucky underdog, maybe.
0: This is a lost market. We will never win this market. This runs counter to my theory. My personal theory was that there's only room for one orbital in people's lives, and they are very busy talking about orbital bombardment in the UK channel.
1: I don't know what it is about the UK (laughs) channel. It's not always the card that they're talking about either. Orbital bombardment is one of their pet subjects where they talk about it probably way more than it's healthy. They Honestly, want us to develop space lasers, I think, so that we can use the space lasers to laser things on the ground. This is one of the things that makes me a little
0: hesitant to develop an official beef with the United Kingdom. They might space laser
2: me. Something that people don't realize about the British schooling system, at the age of 15, you do one year in orbital lasering, and then you go into. Sixth form, as we call it in the UK, mm. and your D or A levels. So everyone's got a base knowledge, at least, of orbital lasering. Are those the B levels then, the bombardment exam? It's the bombardment level. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and then and then you move through when you're 16 to the A level, which is a two-year course as opposed to the one-year bombardment level. It's the ascendancy course. A stands for ascendancy, but I'm not certain. It's been a few years since I did my ascendancy A uh, levels. A lot of things make a lot more sense now, honestly. Even then, given the current level
0: of technology available, I'm fairly confident we won't get orbital lasered for a solid like three to four years. And my assumption is the slums cast will have moved on to much greater sins by then. So I don't think I'm afraid to officially declare a beef with the United Kingdom, present company excluded.
2: How about a roast beef with the United Kingdom? Uh, that sounds Yeah, that sounds tasty. I'm in for that. Ed is a chef. Can we, can we have a beef Wellington with him?
1: Are we Steve or Loop? I'll be Steve. That's fine. We're,
0: we're going to get slash fake art of the two of us now. I don't... I don't. Oh,
3: God, no! Pants! No, oh, <laughs> shit!
2: Pants! Pants. There's a pause there. Are you suggesting that you wouldn't be okay with being Loop in this Wellington relationship? I'm worried about the art, Ed. I'm worried about the art.
0: The internet can never know. Rule 34, though. If there is rule 34 of the fucking slums cast, then we have to instantly cut the feed.
3: Cut the the fucking feed! feed.
2: Cut the feed!
0: I don't like that at all. Let's move on again. What the fuck just happened there? Very, very quickly moving on to the next topic, which is countries that we have the opposite of a beef with. These are the countries that we see in the feed and we know the size of the Netrunner populations there. And honestly, we just want to say kudos. Good job. Keep it up. Ukraine, Norway, Ireland, Cyprus, Hong Kong, Jamaica, Japan, the Faroe Islands. Good job. We see you. We acknowledge you.
2: We appreciate you. You should probably stop listening to slums, though. But but thank you. I'm glad the Jamaican community is going as strong as ever. A lot of people suggested that Worlds 2023 was going to be held in Jamaica, and I think this is a strong case for it. A Kingston World sounds very regal to me. I
0: actually
1: would love a Jamaican Worlds. Oh, I would man. also love a
0: Jamaican Worlds. That sounds fucking sick, yeah.
1: So speaking of the things that we should or shouldn't do, the things that we should or shouldn't keep, the things that people should keep up or not keep up, I think it's time for another one of our bread and butter segments. Ban or nab? And today, we're going to really get into it classically, one of the segments that takes the most time on Slumscast. I always look forward to it. We have the best conversations in this segment. Absolutely. There's so much discussion and we we just really hash out the competitive nature of the choice. So it is Ed's choice on ban or nab. So we have ban or nab. Complete image. Ban. Ban.
0: Ban. Moving on. Beer check. How are we feeling about our
1: choice beers and or ciders? This is not actually as spicy as the stout even though they both have habanero.
0: I honestly have to say about
1: mine, there
0: are excellent boost-to-break ratios on this beer. Mm. The effort that it takes to drink is very minimal, and the benefit that I'm getting from it is quite maximal.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Speaking of boost-to-break ratios, well, you know how you install a Azul ZU.13, and it's like one credit to install it, and then you have a code gate breaker? It's boost and break ratios are not bad, but the strength is low. This beer or well cider rather is like that very easy to install it's like zero credits has the correct ratios it's like you know 1 1 but it's also like zero strength this doesn't really have the habanero to it unless you uh <clears throat> inhale it uh but you know for the lower code gates it's fine it uh you know it does the job it's just you wish you had something better how do you feel about yours ed how is your beer going
2: My beer is phenomenally good. Like, I think it's one of the best beers I've had this Mm. year. And I mean that. I'm going to describe it in true beer terms as pancakes. The vaunted pancake spreading, yeah. It's got the combo-ness that you look for in a beer in that it's got sweetness that blows you out of your seat. And then at the same time, it's super drinkable. And I think... It's a beer that everyone would enjoy, even non-beer drinkers. Dare I say, people that say I don't like to play combo decks, I don't play Titan, could be shifted onto Titan with this beer. One thing that I would say about the beer that I'm drinking is it's got
0: it's got that high trash cost. This this has big too big to fail vibes to me. If you see mm. it in hand you're never really getting rid of it. You're you're never sad to open one up. It might not be the most impactful card for the entire course of the game. And it has a few downsides, right? You know, it it isn't the highest ABV if you're really looking to get fucked up, but you're never going to be sad to have one. And the
2: runner's never really going to take the effort to slap it, you know? And what's interesting in that sense is your bad publicity is definitely going up Mm -hmm. as you drink it as well, because you are getting fucked up. And, and so I think it's looking worse for you and worse for you and worse for you. I think I figured it out. I'm the outfit of beer drinkers. That's very on brand for you. <laughs> it felt like a metaphor. I just wasn't sure where to stick it.
1: <laughs> I don't want to touch that one, honestly. I don't want to tell you where to stick it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, wow. So we were talking about the... Fucking hell. <laughs> we knew we were going to get some fucked up shit when we released <laughs> an episode around drinking. <laughs> I take no responsibility for the words coming
0: out of my mouth. Maybe we should move on to the next segment. <laughs> Moving on from ban or Nad, as always, we move to a much shorter segment with much less discussion. Bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. Ed, I believe you had a choice for the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. What is it?
2: Yeah, so I, I chose something that I don't think will offend many people. I think a lot of people will agree. That's good. That's me. good. We we've but, had some very controversial
0: bad cards of the week that are still bad and you still shouldn't play them lately. I would hate to ruffle any feathers with this segment.
2: Yeah, no, certainly uh, I wouldn't want to feel like I was excluding a degree of the play pool. By mm-hmm. suggesting a card, so yep, yep, I went yep. for something that's quite niche. Yep. Um, SMC, self-modifying SMC. code. That SMC, yes, that one.
0: Other than fuck shaper, which is one hundred percent a valid, accurate, <laughs> valid, accurate argument, and is enough. Why else is self-modifying code the bad card of the week that's still bad, and you still shouldn't play it? <coughs> <laughs>
1: He needs to, you know, clear the the gullet before he really gets into New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. Unique New York. What the
0: fuck? But that—that's a common vocal exercise to warm up your throat, Josh.
1: Unique New York. Unique. Faster than that. New York. Unique. New York. New York. New York. Unique New York. Yeah. Unique, you, New York. Unique, New York. You know, I can't do it. Fan, fuck. I fuck up every time. This, wow. this is the, this is the
0: easier York. one. We well, haven't Unique even gotten to the complicated ones yet. Oof. Okay. Anyway, the arguments. Why, why is SMC the bad card of the weekend that is still bad and you still shouldn't play it? I'm quite
2: surprised that you're asking me why SMC is a bad card. I think we all know on the Slumscast, mm-hmm. we all know that the Shaper is awful. More to the point, let's look at the numbers Zero to install. But you're not going to sell it to ASOPs. Any card that you put in a Shaper deck should be sold to ASOPs if it's zero cost. But you don't want to sell SMC. One, dead waste in the deck. Two, it costs you an additional two credits to get a breaker. There's better ways in Shaper. There's better ways. Let me tell you about Simulchip. Installs for free. If you've uh, trashed a card beforehand, a
0: program. It, or a rebate, right? Like it, it costs less money. So it, instead of an extra
2: two credits, it's minus three credits. That's a five credit swing. Question to the hosts this evening, to my lovely hosts, to do apologize for flipping the classic podcast uh, <laughs> agenda and asking the hosts a question. Do you get a credit swing from self-modifying code? Oh, yeah, it costs you the two. Like, that's huge. Oh, that's a that's a negative credit swing, isn't it? As opposed yeah. to a, a positive credit swing. The classic argument in
0: favor of SMC is that you effectively get a credit swing because instead of clicking to draw eight times and then clicking to install once, you just pay two credits once.
2: Yeah, plus the cost of a breaker. Yeah. That card is not going on the table for free. SMC is going to leave a stained legacy for you, of two <laughs> credits. Horrible. I think what upsets me the most about SNC, and I, this is a card that really, really, really rolls me. I think people see it as a clever thing you can do when you make a run. Do you know what a clever thing you can do when you make a run is? Have your, breaker have your installed breakers beforehand. installed. Exactly. <laughs> Pants. Yep. Pants for yeah. the correct answer. Or just
1: <laughs> have them in the bin because you're an anarch.
2: So let's look at where Shaper's weaknesses are. I'm really tearing apart SMC here because I I feel like I might come against some kind of rebuke in the community. You will at some point, yeah. I have a hot take on this card. Might like SMC. Something that people don't consider is the fact that SMC, self modifying code, is 2MU. No, it doesn't seem too difficult at first, but the fact of the matter is if you've got your breaker suite out already and then SMC's there, it's really chock blonking
1: It has that classic version of the thing that I've talked about in the past about shaper cards where you want 3x because you want to see it early, right? Once you have already done what you wanted to do, like install your breakers. It's one of those cards that becomes dead, right? So mm-hmm. one of the th- the cards that's a classic example of the Shaper problem as I call it. The Shaper curse, uh, you might call it, or the Shaper curse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is that curse. some of their cards, some of their cards are really fucking powerful, right? They have really fucking powerful abilities, but multiples suck, but you want them early. Classic card in this is Proko. You put 3x in a deck that wants proco, right? But Always. every proco that you draw after that is a blank fucking card. It's worse than a blank card because you can't do anything with it. It's just nothing. SMC, I do think, I agree with you, has that problem in late game where it doesn't do anything because you would go over, over MU if you install it. So it's not even good Aesop's fodder. I do have a hot take on SMC though, but if anybody else wants to go off on SMC before I drop the hot take, you may do so.
0: I have what I think is potentially a hot take, but potentially not a hot take. I think SMC is about as bad as it's ever been in the history of the game right now. I don't know if SMC has ever been worse. And the main reason, well, okay, there are a few main reasons. The absolute main reason is it lost... The biggest enabler card for a card like SMC that has ever existed, StimHack.
1: Rip King hack.
0: StimHack not existing means that SMC is just monumentally worse than it has been in the entire course of when it's been legal. It was always correct to run three StimHack SMC because it is just nine free credits or really it's seven free credits with no downside because brain damage doesn't fucking matter. The issue is StimHack doesn't exist right now, so you don't get those nine free credits. Overclock is potentially a more balanced card than StimHack, though I might argue against that. It is not an SMC enabler in the same way, though. So you've lost the biggest enabler that SMC ever had. The other thing is, the classic argument against SMC is just run multiples of your breakers and run more draw, and you'll get to it. And normally, that hasn't been very good. Good, You know, you don't want to run three Ingolos if you can run one Ingolo and three SMCs because SMC is more flexible. It can do more things than just get an Ingolo if you need it to. That said, we have a lot more incidental deal with ice solutions in the meta that are mm. genuinely viable than we've had in a very long time. You might genuinely want to run three Boomerang and three Botulus in the same deck and also run mm. a regular breaker suite. And if you have three boomerang, three botulus, three breakers, and three SMC, that is a lot of cards devoted just to dealing with ice. You might not need it. You might want to just run more draw since you have more ways to deal with ice. I think that
1: SMC is as bad as it's ever been. I don't disagree with you there in that the incidental universal breakers are almost a better use of slots, even in Shaper, which is weird. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to drop my hot take. My hot take is that this is actually a good card of the week that's still bad and you shouldn't (laughs) play it because like I think SMC is actually, even though it's the worst that it's been, it's still a good
0: card. When I say it's the worst it's ever been, we're talking about it used to be one of the best cards in the game. And now I think it's just like good.
1: It took it took a certain environment to make it even sort of just like kind of good as opposed to just like awesome what I'm saying when I say that it's a good card that's bad that you should probably play but shouldn't have the ability to play I think it's bad for the game I think that SMC gives you too much flexibility shaver. I think a better version of SMC is compile because compile has restrictions.
2: Because are you sorry, Josh? At this point, are you saying SMC is too good? Uh, not necessarily. I
1: don't know if it's too good, but
2: it's, it's like, it's, it's, is
0: it more that it more fundamentally breaks a rule of Netrunner? It fundamentally
1: hmm. breaks the rock, paper, scissor rules of Netrunner. And the rock, paper, scissor rules is barrier, code gate, sentry, right? The thing is, you can pop down an SMC and start face checking ice. Because you don't care. Because got, if you have enough credits, yeah. I can SMC the solution that I need to not take the subroutines of the ice. And I think that's bad for the game because there's no conditions there other than two extra credits. Mm-hmm. And two extra credits is like, eh, who cares? Like, it's fucking nothing.
2: Do like, you remember when you learned the rules of rock, paper, scissors when you were sort of five years old? Yeah?
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. We all learned those rules, yeah? Yep. Yep. Rock. Beat scissors, scissors beat paper, paper beats rock. And then you do it in the playground, yeah? Mm -hmm. And then someone goes, oh, but I've got the gun.
3: Yeah. That's SMC.
2: That's SMC. Exactly. No one wants that person at the party. So I'm not
1: saying that gun is bad, but gun needs to work in the framework, right? It can't beat everything. Gun has to be an extra option where, so instead of a triangle, we create a pentagram. SMC is just like gun beats everything, and I don't like that. And that's why it was even better when StimHack was around, because you can pay for that two credits, still have enough to install your breaker, and then also have credits in which to break. Overclock makes that less prevalent, but it still doesn't fix the fundamental problem. I basically, at a certain number of credits, say a one-ice server is invalid. That's fine when it's one single use, Mm-hmm. Like inside job is, but SMC puts that breaker on your table permanently.
0: Let's compare it to a recent release, which is Botulus. Mm-hmm. Botulus is a very good card. We've talked about it Botulus is. before. Yep. Very good card. It's, a, it's Anarch SMC. Really yep. It's, SM right. Caught. It's it is basically gun. Right. It is gun and rock paper scissors. It can it beat gun, yep. anything, but it loses really hard to ice with more than one sub that matters the first turn that you install it like a strong enough rock beats gun in this Mm -hmm. metaphor. I'm not necessarily saying that Botulus is the best designed card ever or the best way for Netrunner to operate ever. What I'm Mm -hmm. saying is more... If we're going to have gun in the game, I want it to have weaknesses and at least botulus does have some weaknesses. Now, obviously there are ways to make botulus have fewer weaknesses. There are ways to just make gun machine gun, which is like cookbook and I have a hive mind with eight counters on it and suddenly literally no ice ever matters because yeah. I can just draw these counters off if I need it. But at least mm-hmm. the base case, like the more quote unquote fair use case, gun only has one bullet.
1: That's where I'm gonna agree with you and I'm gonna say okay, so you're right. You can machine gun botulus and you can put cooked book and hive mine down. So letting alone letting alone the fact that you have to build a board for that to happen, when you get to mid-game, I think that's fine when you have combos like that. The thing about SMC is that the botulus is only gonna affect one ice. I'm kind of
2: chips. Yeah. sure but and again
0: that's extra cards that are involved in the engine mm-hmm. whereas smc is mm-hmm. a one card so engine.
1: it's extra cards that are involve the engine and it's only the one ice and sure you can reset it and stuff like that but you're kind of interacting to reset it right
3: yeah my sure.
1: problem with smc is that it's the worst it's ever been it's still a good card you removed another card stim hack and SMC is still good and still does the fundamental game-breaking things that it does. Hmm. If you remove Cookbook or Hive Mind from an Anarch deck, Botulus becomes way less good. It becomes way less of an SMC. It relies on a board state and those cards and the deck building to be as good as it is. Yeah. Whereas SMC is a one card package. Plop it down. And I as long as I have credits. I don't care about your ice and you can ban the card that gives me the most credits, which is stim hack. But as long as I have credits, it could be another card that gives me credits. This card that I have SMC is still good. Botulist can't say the same thing and botulist without support is still a good card. I would put it in a criminal deck that has none of those other things, but it doesn't remain as good as SMC remains without support. I agree
0: with you here, Josh, but I do think there are arguments to make that SMC is bad. And I think that it's more SMC is like the mortal card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it. We now have to really contend a lot more often with the awkward parts of SMC. The fact that it is 2MU and there are fewer things you can do while it's in play. The fact that you often don't want to sell it to Asop's. SMC has always been a little bit awkward, a little bit touchy. That matters more when you can't just immediately stim hack it off and grab your N'Golo or fucking whatever.
2: That doesn't mean it's not too good, though. Ed, you've been a little bit silent there. Do you have more opinions? My, yeah, let me tell you about my opinions. I've got a lot of opinions. My opinions on SMC are it's 2MU. And if you shape Shaper at the moment, you should be playing Apocalypse. That's the card. Let me tell you about Apocalypse. Apocalypse wipes your balls state. If you're playing Apocalypse, then you're going to get rid of all the programs that you've got. And then when you bring back Angola the second time, then you're going to have a look and you're going to say, what do I want? Do I want cards that break things like Paperclip, like Ica, Imagine, or am I going to install SMC? No, I'm not. I'm going to install Stargate. I'm going to install Conduit. (laughs) I'm going to slam RD. Bingo, bango. Why is SMC in the fucking deck? I have no idea. I've been told I need two SMC in my fucking Apochtail. I'm pissed off. I don't like it. I always get very 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 game loss things happening by forgetting that i've got eka installed on drafter so i try and install stargate and i have to take my clicks back and i get pissed off and i hate smc it messes with my whole idea of mu i don't want it there i hate it i hate it i hate it fuck shaper And just fucking install breakers. Let's go.
0: Reprint quality
2: time. Quality
0: time better than SMC. Quality time is an excellent card. All right. We have basically reached the end of the episode, but I would like to do a closing beer check.
1: Before you do the closing beer check, I would like to note that the podcast is not weekly, but... The bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it is specific to the current week. So if you miss out on our advice of the bad card of the week that's still bad and you still shouldn't play it, uh, fuck you. Uh, you should have been up on it. You should have been a list of the Slumscast, And this news will expire one week after the episode airs.
0: If you are in Australia, we do
2: apologize, though. It's a week and a day, right? Well, a week and a day. Yeah, whatever. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, in that case, let's move into the closing beer check. What was the best beer that y'all
2: drank during this episode? I think that's important to let the people know. I have drunk the Nectar of the Gods. And by the Nectar of the Gods, I mean the Nectarine beer. It was Sierra Nevada Wonderland Nectarine Ale. It was phenomenal. It was incredible. It It was sweet and fruity. Awesome. What about you, Josh?
1: I'm going to go with, and I didn't think that I would say this at the beginning of the episode. I didn't think this a couple of weeks ago, even though that's the first time I had had this beer. I'm going to go with Dale's Pale Ale. This beer floors me every time I drink it. It's not because it especially like blows me away with taste or like something I've never tried before or anything like that. Like it's There's no gimmicks or anything. But that's also kind of why it floors me. Beer is just good. Oscar Blues, Dale's Pale Ale, a good, like, little malty beer with a little bit of hops, and it just goes down smooth. And
2: it's delicious, tastes. I think, is yeah, the word just, you're looking for. Yeah. It's it one tastes, of the most delicious beers I've ever drunk.
1: It just tastes real good, mm-hmm. and, and yeah. it's a good standby. You're not really going to think about it while you're drinking it, but you're going to enjoy it and you're going to be able to converse and drink and have good times the entire time.
0: There's a room in this world for beers like that. I think my choice for the best beer I've had tonight is tequila. Mm. (laughs) It's a great beer. Everyone who has not had tequila should check it out as long as you're of legal (laughs) drinking age.
2: It's tequila, similar to Newcastle Brown Ale in that you have to drink tequila in a half pint glass. If you drink tequila in a half-pint glass, then God have mercy on your soul.
0: I'd like to meet the person who drinks tequila from a half-pint glass, because holy fucking shit.
1: Oh, that person's uh, one of my heroes. I'm not going to lie. They have yeah. a liver of the gods.
0: Foo Fighters, there goes my hero. Yeah.
1: Like, like, holy shit. Like, can you can you stand after you've done a couple of those? Like, damn. If you can, like... Oof, you are... You are god among men or, or women, whatever the case may be. Or or non-specified gendered people. Jesus Christ, yeah.
0: That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like at, at that point, just put a fucking
1: IV in, man. Like, like if you are still coherent after you've been drinking tequila to half pint glasses, more than one, maybe more than two, like you have my respect. Run for fucking office because
0: nothing can possibly yeah. be in your past that is bad. If you've drunk that much and been fine, then you have yeah. never ever lost consciousness yeah, in your a, life. That's a really hot
2: take. Yeah, it's a really good take. <laughs> yeah.
1: God uh, oh, like, damn.
3: Oof. <laughs> Woo.
1: Yeah.
0: On the topic of drinking tequila out of an entire half pint glass or pint glass, depending on if you're feeling very spicy. Wow. We have reached the end of the episode. (laughs) Bottoms up on that tequila glass that you have in your hands right now, listeners. And remember to follow the Slumscast if you liked what you heard today. We are available on just about every major podcast distribution network. Please follow us even if you didn't like the episode, especially if you didn't like the episode, honestly. We need followers. Um, And people who like the episode, there's a decent chance that they're already following us. If you are interested in getting a shirt that tells people that you do not listen to the Slumscast, it's okay. We won't tell on you. You can go to our merch store. You'll find the link to that in the show notes. There are also a few other designs there. There's some pretty good ones. If you want to show people that you appreciate cutting the feed, we have a shirt for that too. Special thanks this week. Go to Ed. Thank you for being on the podcast, Ed.
2: Thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm slurring my words now. I'm already drunk. I hope you are as well. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm not as think as you drunk I am.
2: <laughs> Do
0: you have any shout outs that you'd like to give while you're on the Slums cast?
2: Yeah, I'd love to give a shout out to Oscillate and uh, Racing Appliance, they uh doing hard work with me, <laughs> trying to make me better at net running, mm. heaven forbid. Uh, and Sanjay is uh, consensually trying to make me worse at being in there on a Netrunner player <laughs> uh-huh. as this is whim. so between Huge the, two, cast
0: friend yeah. of the cast there all, all, yeah. all friends
2: of the cast there yeah uh, i'd like to give a shout out to glc discord i am i admin there i know dan bushy did a bit on glc but uh you know a a fellow traveler um, I'm one of the admins, the three admins on GLC Discord, myself. Uh, shout out to Dirjil. Shout out to uh, Genevra Makes as well. And aside from the admin, shout out, a shout out as well to the mod team, which is Captain Nice, which is Weeble, which is uh, Mike, and which is Netpunner. Netpunner, who has played three games of Netrunner in his whole life, but has posted a Netrunner-affiliated meme every day for the last six months. Holy shit, we need this person on the cast. He's yeah, a shit. fucking yeah. delight. He is one of
0: the nicest people I've ever met. That's fucking fantastic. Well, I would like to give an official shout-out from the Slums Cast to all of the people named there. GLC, wonderful force in the community. Love the fact that we have so many people getting into Netrunner and staying engaged with Netrunner that way. There is a true resurgence in this game, and it is fucking fantastic to see. So thank you all for helping make that Mm. possible.
1: I will, before you move on to the next couple of things, point out that Ed, as a person that started getting involved in Netrunner in like 2019, 2020, somebody that got in after the official end of the game is now driving a new player Discord Ed, I I really want to thank you. That is an excellent thing that the community is doing. And I fucking love that you got into Netrunner after FFG officially ended it. And I'm so happy to have you here. Absolutely.
2: Thank you. I just look up to people like yourselves and uh, other luminaries in the community. You know, it's very easy to point people in the right direction. I know it sounds very uh, back patting, and very, oh, we're all doing such a great job. fact of the matter is, the community is very welcoming in the first place. I know there's going to be new people listening to this because I'm going to spam out links to this, but they'll listen to this and they'll go, this is fun. I want to be part of this community. And it's yourselves that you've got to blame. So thank you. (laughs) I appreciate that.
0: And I just do want to state for anyone new listening to this, we are luminaries of potentially some things, but please don't get deck advice from us. I promise it won't go well.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, the deck advice is very shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, You're used to getting real good deck advice from two of the best players in the world, and then you come on this cast, and we're like trying to tear apart your harpsichord deck, and you're like, oh, please. I got better than this in 10 seconds from Laura.
1: I hate to say it, but that's probably fucking true. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And with the end of shoutouts, we have reached the end of the podcast. If you listening have any questions or comments, please go ahead and look at the show notes. You can find how to reach us. The best places to reach us are either Stim Slack or Twitter. We have a Gmail account, but I will be completely honest with you. I haven't checked it in about a month. So you can contact us there. Just be aware that the timelines might take a while. And if you have any concerns, then that's fine.
2: I drink Micheladas a lot at the moment with like, a, I use a Chipotle salt for the oh, rim. That's real good. Yeah. Oh. That's really fucking good. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah.
1: I had a um, spicy. Have you ever heard of an oyster shooter there, Ed? No. So, an oyster shooter is something that happens on the East Coast. Normally, I think more up north, but I guess you can get it down south too. But what it is, is they take an oyster and they take that out of the shell and they put it in a shot glass.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you do vodka, and then you do whatever mixers you want with that. And very commonly, it's like seafood cocktail mixers, but not always. I've had an oyster shooter, well, that was on the West Coast, but I, I had one on the West Coast that was just sake and an oyster. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so all you do is just, whoop, sake and an oyster right down your gullet. This one was, the one that I had uh, like a week ago was like seafood cocktail tabasco some other like spices like chili and stuff and um yeah fucking oyster with vodka it was fucking that sounds awesome i'm a huge oyster fan like very 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 very
2: big oyster. like so
1: it was like super briny but it was also like a spicy bloody mary as well Mm -hmm. and then you get the choice once it's in your mouth whether or not you want to chew it or
2: just swallow it (laughs) (laughs) is that like a an oyster virginity thing for you you had quite a lot of oysters before or is that your first
1: I don't know. i've had a ton of oysters i actually really enjoy oysters Oysters yeah, are pretty, pretty brown. Brown. Yeah. yeah fresh oysters uh just out of the shell you put some cocktail sauce on there mm-hmm. just, mm, that's all you need honestly like you, i like just a little lemon just a little lemon on them oh yeah there you go yeah yeah you don't need to get fancy with oysters honestly like good oysters are just like i don't know they're like a standalone thing
2: my um, my goddaughter, uh, her parents, who he's a university friend of mine, at their wedding, and then at her christening, and then at the christening of their second child, they've got an oyster shack. <laughs> they've got a dude that's come over. So I don't know if that's is that relatively common in the states, or it, it's rare for me. That was like wild.
0: Definitely a little unusual to me, I think, but I
2: would yeah. love that. That <laughs> oh, was incredible. Oh, like you just spent the night having oysters, probably had 18 oysters, I'd say. Oh, that's amazing. Oof, wow. Yeah, I
1: love that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. On the topic of spicy drinks and tequila, one of the most difficult things I've ever had to drink, which I drank completely of my choice, so I don't know why I'm saying had to. When I lived down in the Carolinas, there's a bar that I like to go to that had very good cocktails but at a reasonable student affordable price and they were from new orleans and really liked their spicy drinks Mm -hmm. and they would occasionally serve up a spicy margarita uh just like spicy marg with whatever type of pepper involved in it Mm -hmm. and usually those were great usually it'd be like a a solid amount of spice you just drink it you've got the, the chili salt on it and it's just fantastic and then one week I didn't read the board closely enough and I only went and read the board after I had taken a drink and started sweating my entire body weight out and crying and I realized that it said Carolina Reaper, Margarita.
1: Oh shit, whoa. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's not I, I really not thought how much that was Carolina
0: going. Reaper was in a given, like I don't know how large of a batch it was to a single Carolina Reaper or a single part of Carolina Reaper, but I can tell you it was too much for me. <laughs>
1: Yep. That
0: anyway. fucking drink almost killed me.
1: Wow. <laughs> uh, I had a similar thing at a taco joint here. I was uh, drinking with one of my buddies at one of the many brew pubs around here, uh, like brewery pubs. Like they brew the beer mm-hmm. on site. We have a ton of those in the cities, which is fantastic. But anyway, there was a taco joint within walking distance, and we get done bullshitting, and the places. Is it's like an hour or two from close, but my buddy's like, you know, I got to go home and it was fun hanging out with you. I wasn't ready to like end the night and I was hungry as fuck. So I didn't know this taco joint existed, but it's like two blocks away. So I roll down there and I uh, noticed that it's also a, a bar. I'm also not ready to stop drinking. So <laughs> I order some fucking just spicy ass tacos. It's one of those things on the menu where they like flag it a certain way. Mm-hmm, and you're yeah. like, oh, these are the spicy tacos. And like, get these no and refunds, whip. you know, get these if you're not a punk. But I'm fucking talking to the bartender. And recently i had also had discovered like recently to that point, I had discovered mezcal, right? And mezcal mm-hmm. is awesome. It's like Mexican yeah, yeah. scotch. It's fucking amazing.
2: Wild?
3: Yeah. Mm
1: hmm. And so I was talking about how I had these awesome mezcal drinks, and he goes, all right, you had mezcal, and you like mezcal, cool. Have you had a spicy mezcal drink? Because <laughs> he's like, you know, the chilies really set it off, brother. Like that smokiness with the chilies, like it's mm-hmm. it's going to really hit you where you live, and it's going to be awesome. And uh, I noticed you ordered the spicy tacos, so, you know, you're into spice, right? And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I can get down with this. He asked me, you know, if I want a spicy mezcal cocktail. And I'm like, sure. Okay. He's like, do you know what kind of cocktail you would want? And I'm like, nah, I trust you. Like, let's just do this. So he makes me this fucking cocktail. And the first sip, just like you, like, I don't know what I'm in for. And I've just been drinking like Midwest beers all night. Nothing spicy. And I'm just like,
3: mm, mm, it's good. Oh, no, it's good. I like it.
1: <laughs> he's like, do you want me to re- re- remake that? You want something different? You look like you're in pain. I'm like,
3: no, mm, no I'm
1: good.
0: It,
3: do you uh, serve
1: milk? Yeah, I'll, I'll joke this down. Yeah, and I get the tacos later and it's just like nothing. Like These are supposed to be the spicy fucking tacos. My nose is already dry, motherfucker. It ran with that drink <laughs> earlier. I can't take shit.
0: There's nothing you can kill in me that has not already been killed by that drink.
3: It's all just dead.